discussing this yesterday. There was a guy walking uh, over by American Tobacco, and he had one AirPod in, talking to someone on the other. I guess he could have been talking to someone. I assumed he was using it, but it then occurred to me, only because he had only one in, how did we get from mocking people using like Bluetooth headsets 10 years ago to AirPods being like the most sought after thing? Um, it's because it's almost exactly the exact same thing. Yeah. Except no, there's two of them instead of like one. That is interesting. Yeah. I just, we're, we're sheep. We're just terrible, yeah, just terrible people. Who, yeah. And, well, and that's, that's what, what either Anthony or David said was because it's Apple. Mm-hmm. Was the answer. Well, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. Yeah. Um, it's Thursday. We usually record these on Tuesdays, so I wonder how that's going to affect our performance. Yeah, today. Yeah. Well, you're always a little off. I, I, lo- I love IFC's um, slogan. Slogan, yeah, always on, slightly off. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, as I said, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your hosts on this lovely podcast. I think we're up to episode, was this eight, nine? Somewhere around Something like that. Nine. I don't know. After five or six, you just stop right. counting. I think once you get past seven, I think the average podcast I read only gets to seven episodes. Really? Yeah. And people just get discouraged because no one listens. <laughs> yes, and we are not getting discouraged because no one's listening. No, I have fun doing these. No, I, I, I like it. It's a chance for the two of us to connect. Yeah. We're so busy like, in our day-to-day. Like day. It's like a date. It is. Yeah. This you is our, actually talk about this things. This is our eighth or ninth date. Yeah. Does that, like, does that mean you're officially we've my been, pod friend? We've been married for five years, but this is our... That's true. We've committed to dating again. Yeah. Yeah. You're officially my pod friend. Thanks. Yeah. And I'm officially your business partner. Oh, <laughs> art imitating life. All right. Um, so before we get to our topic today, which um, incidentally is on the video content experience, which is content experience applied to video, uh, I believe we have a new sponsor this week. We do. Now uh, they keep slipping by. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but like we said, we only we only sign them out for one kind of see the response yeah. it's very controlled that way but yeah uh, very excited about this one it's prince of persia slick silk slippers <laughs> guaranteed to keep your feet warm and if they don't you can use your own microwave to heat them up at no extra charge Ooh. and then out come in your favorite alak dolak team designs your favorite what now alak dolak okay it's a persian game with two different sized sticks makes sense so they're speaking to their primary audience yeah okay yeah very much. All right. You can follow them on TikTok at Slicker Than Silk to learn more, uh, or email them at salam at hotmail.com. They don't have a website, though. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But and, they, they like to do it. The reason the email is it kind of it gets really personal. They do this consultation to kind of make sure you're sure. in the right slipper. And yeah, well, when we went to the factory, um, one of the things that I found is since they are Slicker Than Silk, you actually slip around on them a lot. Quite a bit. But the advantage of putting them in your microwave is that if you get them hot enough, they actually melt to your feet. Ah. And that gives you a lot more traction. <laughs> so you have to keep your feet in the microwave. Uh, no, you just take them out and you put them on and okay, then they just like kind it. of fuse to, mm. like you can't put it in the microwave for two minutes, leave it in the microwave to cool for another two minutes. I mean, that's what's on the packaging. That's what they recommend. Right. I did not 
half packaging because we were again in the factory. Yeah. And nobody was near me, and I just put them right on, and they just melted right to my feet. It was well, agonizing, but my traction was amazing. Yeah, like a goat on the rock. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we were over there in Iran to, to visit them. Um, in fact, I was surprised you were such, you were so good at Alec Dolak with the kids that were kind of playing around in the neighborhood. I'm surprised you forgot the. Well, I didn't know that that's what they <clears throat> called it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they just said, do you want to play A and D? Must have been my... Uh, <laughs> and I was like, sure, what is it? And then it just turns out, with the traction, I'm a natural. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what they were made for, really, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, welcome to the show. Again. Again. <laughs> no, welcome to the show, our sponsor, whose name only you have. Prince of Persia, Slick Silk Slippers. Yes, Prince of Persia, Slick Silk Slippers. Um, yeah. Definitely wait the extra two minutes after you take them out of the microwave. So, six and a half minutes in, let's go ahead and uh, get to our discussion of the day here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're, what we're talking about here, content experience, is this um, hot topic. Is this hot topic, right? And it certainly applies to, I think it actually came up as we were discussing potential episodes, uh, more as less based on the term content experience and the topic of content experience, but just how where you're watching, when you're watching, why you're watching can almost have as much of an effect on video as the content itself. As we started looking into it, it totally connects with this topic of content experience. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, just to clarify, we're talking about content experience for video. Um, Certainly in your overall content experience, you want your video to match the other experiences that your other content matches. I mean, that's just part of an overall content experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, let, let's let's dive in a little bit first, um, and just talk about some of the some of the ways that that the environment in which you're playing video, or why you're playing it, when you're playing it, who who you are that's viewing it. Let's start to jump into kind of how those things apply to to video a little bit. Sure. So let's start with some general thoughts, and then I think uh, I think we'll probably drill into you know some more detail on some of these things. Well, one thing you've always said is video doesn't live in a vacuum. Right. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I hate the kind of, is trite the right word? But like if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? Yeah. If somebody's there and they are listening for it, maybe, you know, you've got you've to understand the context in which this video lives. Um, and I can kind of tell a story about uh, one, one project that we regret doing. <laughs> Um, we had a client come to us say the one project we regret doing. Yeah, I don't think we regret. Or one of the projects we regret doing. No. Um, one of our clients came to us and said, "We've got uh, a really we got a really quick turnaround on this one. We need a video that does blank. Just fill in the blank. We say, okay, great. Well, uh, tell us about." And so this was this wasn't actually just a client; it was a conglomeration of, of folks. Right. Um, so it's not even one business, and that was messy in itself. But <clears throat> yeah, that may have contributed to the problem. But because it wasn't a company that we were serving, they also didn't have some of the infrastructure, like hosting platforms. They didn't have social networks. They didn't have any sort of like official platform to deliver anything. Right. And as no we, brand. No brand. Yeah. 
as we were asking questions to try and help figure out, okay, great, we can make this video, we have the capacity to do this rather quickly, like, but all of this stuff, these are big red flags, not comfortable moving forward until we do that or have an understanding of that. They said, nope, we just need the video. So send us a contract for X number of dollars. We're like, yep. Uh, okay. Okay. And regrettably, we did it, uh, which we should have, you know, stood by our, our, by our ground and kind of uh, forced them into some sort of understanding of how this is going to be used. But in the end, what happened? Nobody saw it. Yeah, I mean, it was intended for a very small audience, uh, but intended to have a big impact. It was, we found out that it was delivered after the... <laughs> yes. We delivered it on time. It was not given to, it was not shared on a, in a proper time. Uh, it was past the efficacy timeline. Um, there was no way for them to show it because they didn't know where they should put it. They didn't have a YouTube channel or anything created. There was no statistics derived from it. Um, just a big $25,000 failure. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I believe the... The video looks great. The, yeah, the first... I was going to say the first meeting of all of the people involved, um, mainly the funders, not like they were necessarily involved in any revisions or anything like that. But, you know, everybody watched it. It played on, you know, the big screen at the end of the conference room, and, and everybody said, well... Yeah, good job, but I'm not sure, not sure what it was supposed to do. <laughs> and we're in the room like, well, no shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's 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 the most lucid, clearest example of video cannot just live in a vacuum. You have to have context and and methodologies and practices built around video. So um, that's kind of what a, a no a what not to do scenario well and, and it's not to say that because there wasn't a brand in place or because there wasn't infrastructure in place you know we could have worked around some of that if we had some form of a better strategy or it were they were at least willing to engage in conversation before the thing was made we knew it was a narrow audience mm -hmm. uh, a very specific audience of one company and we could have tailored the creative, we could have tailored a distribution strategy, we could have we could have ended up with a physical distribution yeah. uh, option, right? Where yep. you get send one of those iPad. notebooks or an iPad or a Kindle or you know whatever you might wanna send, uh, and the only thing loaded on it is that video, mm -hmm. right? I, I mean, that, that probably would have been a better play than just creating the thing and then saying, hey, can we get a private link mm -hmm. to this somewhere three weeks after we had air sent. quotes delivered it right yeah. and it was supposed to be sent so um you know you don't necessarily i think my point is you don't necessarily have to have the best brand the best strategy the best infrastructure mm -hmm. the best but you've got to make certain decisions so that you know where to go somewhere and it's fine if you have no established brand but at least know who you want to see it right how you want them to view it why they're viewing it in the first place is probably the biggest thing that would affect the creative approach. Um, the good news is um, that opened up everyone's eyes, that, that yes. giant mistake. And we've gone through some excellent positioning um, classes or, or consulting. Um, and now we're, once we've got our positioning in place, now we're building out a great video strategy for them and helping them 
put the right pieces in place and, and decide where this stuff's gonna be distributed, how, why, when, um, creating YouTube channels around it. Um, there's, a, there's a bright future for this. I just wish we could have hit the pause button and saved that 25 grand and use it on something else. Well, there's a cost of making mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, some portion of that $25,000 was in making the mistake of just rushing to spend that money mm -hmm. and make something. And now, however many months later, you know, at least at least we're moving in the right direction. And I'll yeah. be honest with the roadmap that we're not finished putting together, but that we're putting together this particular video doesn't even come close isn't, to what isn't a part of is nowhere near a part of the oper the strategic opportunities that are actually yeah. there. Yeah. Maybe we're getting a little bit too into strategy and away from content experience um, with that. But um, but you know as as you said, as I say, video doesn't live in a vacuum. I mean that's that's at least two parts of our manifesto, right? It's the integrated part of the manifesto where not only does your content not live in a vacuum, but your video content speaks to the other content, right? So there needs mm -hmm. to be brand consistency. Mm -hmm. That's part of um, content experience, right? You need to have the same uh, likely tone of voice, mm -hmm. right? The same imagery, the same, you know, all those same kind of uh, in, almost intangible pieces mm -hmm. um, that make your video content just as much a part of your other content as it all is. But then there's also the part of the manifesto on, on action. Because so often uh, the the thing that from a video content experience that comes to me is that people don't ask people to take the right action or they don't ask them to take any action. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with just so the first thing that, that always comes to mind and, and I, I think we even discussed coming up with a different example, but the go-to example is, and we've said it before on this podcast, is the, the video embedded on your website that has a uh, an animated call to action at the end that says for more information visit and then your website mm -hmm. they're already there you're asking them to do something that they've already done right and you're not asking them to take an There's additional no step progression yeah right you're almost better off having that video just fade to black at that point and because then at least you can embed that video there and put a form below it mm -hmm. where you ask them for their email address sure. or you get them to sign up for a demo or register for the event or whatever that call to action is. Um, or it's a scenario, you know, that that's one occasion where having a an action that you're trying to drive someone to is something that doesn't necessarily need to be in the video. But when you're thinking mm -hmm. about these videos, think about what it is you want them to do. And it could be that it's part of the video. It could be that it ends with your closing logo and it says, register now mm -hmm. and then right below it there's that form sure. to register now right that that's another part of that integrated piece is that your video has to go somewhere mm -hmm. right if you even if you put exactly the same video file on youtube at least in the description put a link at the top line of the description you know before the the show more part that's hiding all the rest of the description register at, at least have the top line of that description say register at link so that people can do that. Well, that kind of um, kind of reminds me of when we when we build out our video roadmap. It's got a bunch of strategic concepts in there. <clears throat> strategic concepts. Um, the the main parts of a strategic concept are: what is the purpose of this video? Who is our specific audience? What channels are we going to uh, use to distribute this? And what else we got? like length, you know, kind of like is it animated? There's usually like a little bit of a, of a top level creative, but 
My favorite is the notes section at the bottom of the page where you just get to put in all the other yeah. randomly yeah. associated thoughts. Um, but that, that kind of speaks to, like, that's where it stops. So when we get into creative, that's where we actually get to get to tweak that distribution right. element, right? So maybe talk a little bit about the intersection of strategy and creative and how that um, how that starts to mold together as you move forward with your video process. I think that's something, honestly, that we've, I'm willing to say, struggled with over the last year or so mm-hmm. um, because we, we've made this effort to be so strategically driven. And so there's kind of this ideal, there was this ideal in our head where when we put a roadmap together, we can be laying out every detail of the strategic use of a particular video or series of videos, campaign, whatever. And I think we thought that that we could just say, all right, well, there needs to be a video that serves this purpose. Here's the basic concept. Here's the specific audience we're speaking to. Here's the action we want them to take. Here are the channels we're going to use this on and exactly how we're going to utilize them within these channels. And what we found is that without assessing the creative approach mm-hmm. to that, and it's it's a weird chicken or egg kind of thing. Without, if you want to follow that document and that roadmap as gospel, you tend to kind of limit yourself in your creative options. Mm-hmm. So if you just say that, well, here's the distribution we laid out when we created, came up with the creative concept, you may find yourself uh, missing creative opportunities to maybe create promotional content, mm-hmm. right? Or um, you might get into, and this is the chicken or egg thing, you might get into creative and say, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had this longer form piece, but then we, we did like five or six air quote outtake kind of things. Or like, you know, these are, these are script and shot as prep for the shoot itself or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And they're specifically designed strategically to be those 15 second promo pieces where you do paid campaigns on LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever, to drive people to the landing page, mm-hmm. right? So that becomes then a strategic opportunity that's from a creative idea. right? And so, you, so we realized, and our listeners should realize, that you need to be creative and let let the strategy be there first and influence the creative. creative but decisions. as the creative develops, let it feedback on the strategy and and be willing to be flexible with the strategy. Yeah, definitely. And and so there just there just is this. You have to be okay with with enough detail, but enough room for flexibility in your strategic concept that you're going into the creative thinking, knowing, well, this is a YouTube thing, or this is a LinkedIn promotional campaign piece, because that's going to affect your creative. But then you've got to free yourself to have the ideas to say, what if we also did this? Mm -hmm. Or what if we did this instead? Because that may result in something better. And that, like we always say, we, we come up with better creative decisions. It's easier to make better creative decisions when you have that strategy as a foundation. Yeah, You just have to be able to fudge the strategy as you go. So we never really set in stone those distribution and promotional right. plans. We just know that this is our intent. And then once we're making the thing, then we can get to during pre-production, during production, post-production. That's where we get to then really in detail lay out where it's going to go, how it's going to be promoted, all those kinds of things. Because now we know what the thing is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then 
you know, given that there is a, a feedback loop, strategy mm-hmm. creative uh, on that, what are some of the things that, that, that you generally want to consider when thinking about content experience for video? I mean, there's a bunch of them, but you mm-hmm. know, start with one and we'll, we'll kind of go sure. through a list here. I mean, there are a couple video today, um, especially like the types of players that are, that are used like Vidyard player, Wistia players, um, Brightcove, Vimeo, whatever. They've all got different feature sets, but uh, some of the common things that you can expect to see in some of these advanced video players are the ability to like to set chapters, right? So if you've got a six minute long demo it, and it has six features in it, you can put little chapter markers um, yes. along the way so people can understand, okay, I get the first three things, that's what you already showed me. Let me look at the, the last three that I really wanna dig into. Um, other player features, uh, could include forms and the actual video player, mm-hmm. um, which is really great, especially if that form is connected to your CRM. Now you're starting to link uh, a person watching, viewing habits and their actual contact record. Um, which is certainly something you could do. You could embed, if you had a very basic um, video hosting platform, you could always- like YouTube. Em- like YouTube, sure. you could always embed that video on a landing page and put in a HubSpot collection form right below it on the page. Mm-hmm. But if you can put it at the end of the video or in the middle of the video or at the beginning of the video, if it's like gated type content, mm-hmm. might as well do it in the player. But you don't have to have that. Have but, no. but like we were talking about before, don't forget to give them the thing that you're asking them to do right. in the video. Yeah. What else? Um, so we got forms. We got chapter markers. Um, in 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 player calls to action, so you can set I, links. I think that's something you do really well in a lot of your Go video outreach, especially like post initial conversation, mm-hmm. where you've gotten some reply from someone that they might be interested, and you decide that you want to send them a link to the manifesto, mm-hmm. right? Hey, can't wait to talk next week. Just wanted to send you a link to the manifesto. And what you do in your Go videos is you actually like point up to what you know is the top left corner of your frame. Yeah, sometimes I got to think about it. Yeah, right. And and so you kind of gesture up to a side and then right before you send it out, you actually are able to customize where that pink button goes that says our manifesto. Mm-hmm. So they're getting a video. Now granted, this is a personalized video, but there's no reason you can't do it at scale. Mm-hmm. There's no reason you can't say, sign up below and have the person on, you know, for a, for a mass, um, uh, for a mass viewer uh, video. There's no reason you can't have the host, you know, gesture below mm-hmm. if you know that the form is gonna be in the bottom sure. of the player or something like that. Um, uh- some of these, so we use Vidyard for a lot of this stuff. Um, they they call those custom events. You can kind of create uh, a, a button or whatever you want, full screen buttons. But they give you the ability to just write your own code. So this is a really cool example. Um, sorry, we're we're digging into. Uh, there's a huge opportunity with video and customer success, and one of the the funnest. Uh, content experiences with video that I've been a part of is creating a net promoter score tool mm-hmm. where it's a customized event and after the video plays or wherever you want it to, to come up it you know pause the video it goes full screen and it says how likely are, are you to recommend storyboard media to to friends or business 
friends or whatever connections. Ten is my answer. By Ten the is way. his answer. Yeah. yeah. So you set the you've got a zero button, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten button, um, and then they click whichever one they want. It's seamless. It's all right there. You know, the, um, we built this tool one to kind of crack into the customer success world, and it was based on uh, two hypotheses. One, you put uh, a friendly, smiling face in there uh, in the, like an email or something. You see that thumbnail of your of your customer success manager. You're more likely to interact with that, so you're going to get more responses. Yep by using this NPS tool in the video player. But you're also probably gonna get better responses because Sally, your customer success manager or account manager or whoever, is right there saying, hey Justin, thanks so much for working with us. Glad we got this ticket resolved. Um, let us know what you think about us by you know picking a number below. And then pops up the NPS tool. And so you know we're testing out with some clients and trying to figure out um, what, what are the, some of the best practices here. but. It's a really cool way to create a content experience that's unique to to your your brand. If that sounds interesting to you, sign up for our beta test by emailing Justin at justin at storyboardmedia.co. Um, yeah, I you know, and and I think the the conversations where that has gone uh, also are really interesting because some people feel like putting an actual face uh, to that question might actually give you artificially in uh inflated responses too and so that's, that's marketing baby. right and that's and that well and that's and that's part of that's part of the whole testing if if we you know if we can show that uh that there is an increase then those who want the highest nps score great here's your tool to use it mm-hmm. and if there are those who forget ph- philosophically standards. yeah who philosophically think that you know and if enough people adopt that then the industry standards will change right and that's fine that's how they change um yeah so no, it's it's a really interesting little you know, I don't want to call it's it like a, a side project, <laughs> yeah, but, well, it is. but yeah, I mean you know something we're thinking we can develop and and yeah. it's yeah, um, so that's fun. I think one for me too is uh, is video use and email, um, and this is one that that I you know I, I imagine everybody who's listening already knows that uh, a thumbnail with a play button is like the most irresistible thing on mm-hmm. the internet, right? So why not put those things in emails too? Um, I've talked before about the newsletter that I'm on where the guy uses a ton of video and he just puts the text link in the video and I have unsolicited emailed him back and said, hey, use a thumbnail with a play button. I bet you will see more playthrough on these videos. Well, that's interesting. The one I got this morning had a thumbnail for the first time, but it doesn't have a play button. Mm. And so I actually had to click it to see if it was an actual link and it went to the video. And so, again, I've always thought that he probably took my advice and I was just in the B part of the A-B test um, mm-hmm. and just not seeing it. But, you know, maybe he heard it from someone else and, and or maybe he finally decided to do it. But the next step I would suggest for him is to put a play button on there because it wasn't entirely clear that it was. When we first started putting together our first video-based sales sequences, we did some testing mm-hmm. with a couple people outside of this company. And we were surprised that our test emails that I think even the test emails that had a play button on the thumbnail, mm-hmm. they didn't realize that they were supposed to click it and they'd get to watch a video. Yeah, And so there's a, a kind of a behavioral experience where people know and want to click thumbnails with play buttons, and yet it's still novel enough in email 
where they don't know that that's a default behavior right now. And mm-hmm. this was about a year ago. And so it may be that, that now a year yeah. later, they've seen it enough more times that they know now. Well, one thing that really cues them into the fact that this is a video is using a GIF file. Right. Yeah. Yes. Using an animated GIF where you're really where there's any motion. Right. right? Uh, if it's if it's a sales video, if it's, you know, you've got their name on a whiteboard and you're, you know, waving with one hand and holding up the whiteboard with the other. As you're, or, trying, to, as you're trying to clear out your inbox and that thing pops up and you see some motion. I mean, you can't not see that. It's, yeah. it's kind of kind of interesting and still still pretty novel. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about video use at events and trade shows. Okay. Um, which one would you like? I would like trade shows. Something where you're, uh, where you've got a booth. Yep. So if you've got a booth at a trade show, um, we've, we've created a lot of video content for our clients to be used in this particular scenario. Um, ultimately, think about your audience. They're there probably to get a little boozy maybe to learn some stuff, to get to travel, get out, of the, get out of the office. They're not always there just to buy, and they certainly don't want to be roped into any sort of sales meeting or anything, uh, at least for the most part. Um, so when they walk by your booth, you've got just that one, two seconds that they're there to get their attention. And the, like, like we've said before, people are more likely to engage with video than they are a salesperson. So, uh, one great way to attract them is to have a, a bright, shiny booth. Um, obviously, models, they still do that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but a, a well-crafted video can make a huge difference. We, we, we made it, uh, to, what was the one um, from the IoT company? I, I just don't want to say the name. Yeah. What was that story? Well, the, the, uh, the navigation one. Yeah. The one with the heads-up display. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we did some, we basically captured some product testing of a of a satelliteless GPS module, mm-hmm. right? So we went to Chicago, we drove around under the L and through all Tunnel. the tunnels and everything, and we took the actual data from the tests mm-hmm. and incorporated that into a heads-up display. So we were shooting out the windshield of the SUV mm-hmm. so that you could see that we were in Chicago, and then we had one of our very talented animators create this heads-up display as if it was projected on the windshield. Yep. Um, using the actual data from the tests and showing the location, speed, all direction it was pointing uh, every second yep. that updated. Yep. And that caught people's eye. Right. And eventually then led to a $20 million sale and, you know, yeah. great success story and all that. But it was that, it was that unique, uh, interesting looking video that got their attention as they were walking through this huge convention in the Las Vegas Convention Center that had hundreds of trade show booths mm-hmm. that all essentially look the same. They're all competing for the same thing, and this caught their eye, got them talking to the rep, and then the rep was able to, to close that yeah. deal. So it's gotta be something flashy <clears throat> enough. It's still gotta fit within your brand, I think. Um, you know, Certainly experiment with that, but um, just a, one of the main things you gotta know is what is, what is your surrounding? It is a noisy, noisy place with a lot of echoes and a lot of other people and, uh, and whatnot. And so uh, if you have a video at, at your booth of your CEO talking about the mission, their mission statement, 
that may be a great video, but no one's going to hear it. They're mm-hmm. going to see a guy talk, you know, talking head, and that's just not compelling enough to get me to stop. Because you see those, you know, those are a dime a dozen videos. Yeah, there's already people standing in your booth. I don't yeah. care to see a video screen with that someone just standing hear. there or say, yeah. So you know, just in terms of content experience, you're not going to hear what's going on there. Um, uh, you're not going to hear what's going on in the video. So you got to re- recognize that and create video content that is visually compelling and visually storytelling um, or storytelling visually, but, but you can't rely on audio for anything. Which we've, which we've also done, right? For a different client. Mm-hmm. We have, and what's, what's interesting is if you look at it on the work section on our site, like you can't help but hit the volume button because there is zero volume in this video at all mm-hmm. because we knew it was for when they were at trade shows. Mm-hmm. And it's, it uses, you know, clever copywriting and titles and some really clever uh, humorous visuals mm-hmm. to get people's attention. But it's also very quickly paced. It also has a whole logo cycle at the end that shows all of their users yeah. because in that particular industry, FOMO is a huge thing. Everybody wants to do what everything that what everybody successful is is doing. Yeah. Um, and so what's funny is when you watch those on a site, and this is why we put descriptions on the work on our site, this is kind of like uh, when we first started, we would get a whole bunch of, of, well, I guess we still get them occasionally, a whole bunch of resumes and applications from college students for like jobs or internships or whatever. And they would send over their real or previous work that they'd done without any context. Mm-hmm. And so this really strange video that has no dialogue in it seems weird to me mm-hmm. and doesn't make me want to hire you unless you were to tell me, for example, that it was an exercise for communications 204 class where the assignment was to create a three minute short with zero dialogue. Mm-hmm. If I go in with that context, right, I can understand a little bit more about the piece. And mm-hmm. that's what's interesting, you know, and, and why we provide that context on our site too, in our work section is because somebody would probably just think it was an error. And, and if they were playing that video, they'd think, where's the VO? These mm-hmm. guys messed up. And yet we provide the context that like, this was trade show video, it has no audio because no one can hear in those places, those kinds of things. Um, which I suppose is even our content experience on our site, providing that context yes. that this is a piece that we made and Here's we made it this way because right. of content experience. Yep. Um, I think we both have a, a, a pet peeve of like, Instagram story ads using, I think there's two parts of it. And I think we I think we both have slightly different pet peeves. I think my pet peeve is when I see an Instagram story and it's clearly a longer video. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a 30 second spot, but an Instagram story is what, 15 seconds? And yeah. so in that one story ad that they've paid for, I see the first 15 seconds of this video, there's some text and a swipe up on the bottom and then the video just cuts off in the middle of the video because they're not using a video supposed that to be was 30 used. seconds yeah and they're just repurposing their tv ad yeah for instagram and yet you only get to watch the first 15 seconds it cuts off in the middle of a sentence like that like honestly i've gotten to the point where even if it's something that might interest me i will not give them the uh, gratification yeah, I know. of having swiped up on it because they're just being it's so lazy with their Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, kind of along the same lines, a lot of times you'll see, you, you, you may see a company or even just like a YouTuber or whoever, um, someone creating video content who created something in a 16 by nine aspect ratio. 
and then they put it on Instagram stories or they put it on TikTok. And those are both have a vertical orientation. You want, you're only getting maybe a, a half to a third of what your yeah. full screen should actually be. And so as the video plays, it chops off the sides of, of the video and all you're seeing is whatever's in the middle there. So your, your entire composition is off. You're missing the guy to the right who's talking to the person on the left and all you see is nothing. Yeah, you see the space between the two people facing each other talking. Yeah. You don't see either of the two people or yeah. you see their noses Yeah. or whatever, yeah. Um, so like, again, just thinking about where this stuff is gonna live, you've gotta understand how, how the, the creative process is involved with that distribution and promotion process as well. Yeah. Furthermore, knowing, knowing the limitations or the preferences of, of the platforms that you're working with, like, like LinkedIn, if you're going to be distributing something on LinkedIn, you already know you're going to, like, depends on your strategy, but more than likely you should be uploading that natively. They're going to reward you for that. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you mean reward you for that? Um, they want people to stay, uh, LinkedIn wants people to stay on LinkedIn. If you link to other, like to YouTube or to, to a website or to whatever, they don't like that because that takes people away from, from their platform. So if you are creating engaging content uh, natively on LinkedIn, they're gonna give you some extra points. Um, with, you know, I don't know exactly how that works. Yeah, well, I'm, I imagine it's a proprietary right. algorithm just like Google, but yes, you're more likely to show up in more people's feeds if you're using native <clears throat> video. So you, you are, one of the limitations or preferences of LinkedIn is to, they, you know it will autoplay and you also know that audio will not be uh, activated. Um, mm -hmm. So you've got to at least have some motion there right off the bat because so someone knows it's a video, not just a picture. But then you've also got to to have some some text, um, what are those called? The subtitles. Caption, subtitles, yeah. That, that can kind of help someone lean into what, what's being said or shared. And Which is something you can do on the platform. Mm -hmm. Right, you can upload your closed caption, you know, SRT file, whatever. Uh, but it's also something that you could, and I don't know if, if we've made this point enough, but I felt like saying, like we've said before, but like you could create a specific LinkedIn edit yep. where you're using some, you know, kinetic typography or whatever over the rest of your footage. You're hard baking in your closed captioning, basically, mm -hmm. yep. to get people's attention, right? Yep. There's no reason you can't, you know, edit out that additional version that just has those titles baked into it because you know you've got to get because it's all about getting people to stop the scroll mm -hmm. right and then once you get them to stop the scroll there's got to be enough compelling them to actually hit that little speaker icon mm -hmm. so that they can hear what's next and honestly at that point you're probably between three and seven seconds into the thing anyway so you know don't front load all of your content in those first three to seven seconds too right so i mean you can kind of just keep running it back you know, all the way to your original script writing. If you yeah. know it's gonna be a Here. LinkedIn promotional mm -hmm. thing, you can know that you might wanna say something to get someone's attention in the first three to seven seconds, but you don't wanna like make your main point in those first three to seven seconds, and then it's just all fluff from there. Yeah. So. Another, I mean, this is a, a small pet peeve of mine, but on LinkedIn, people will uh, bake in their, their subtitles. Mm -hmm. But. Like um, just as subtitles. As subtitles. Yeah. But the play bar is on top of them. Right. It doesn't disappear for a couple seconds or, or, if, or if you're hovering, the play bar is there. 
and you can't see anything. So that's another reason you just got to know how these platforms work. That is one of the things that I think LinkedIn native video does do well. Uh, we had a recent comment on one of our uh, episode posts about, you know, when is LinkedIn going to get their head in the game basically with video? And I think analytics. Uh, I think LinkedIn, the analytics is non-existent, but I think they've made a lot of improvements. And yeah. one of those improvements, I mean, honestly, when we started uh, publishing uh, video marketing unscripted two years ago, longer, whenever that was, uh, we, we started with natively uploading those to mm -hmm. LinkedIn. And we found that the compression was so bad, we had to go to YouTube embeds. And when we got to the last few episodes, um, we finally tried it again and it had gotten much better. Mm -hmm. But another thing that's really simple but cool is when you upload your closed captioning file and they're not hard baked into those videos, mm -hmm. As you hover over the play bar, the captions will actually yep. float up. Yep. They'll stay above the play bar so that you can still read them. And then when the play bar just disappears, they'll drop back down lower in the yeah. frame. That's a nice experience. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And also, you know, just going back to the multiple use thing, if you've hard, you know, if you've baked in your subtitles, mm -hmm. not a kinetic typography kind of, just you know, design thing, word. but if you've baked in your subtitles and then you go to um, because you know you're going to use it on LinkedIn and on Twitter and on Instagram, and then you upload it to your story on Instagram, even if you've just got one like the VMU episodes that was just me center framed, mm -hmm. right? Well, if you subtitle those things, you probably haven't restricted your subtitles to be in the middle third of sure. the frame. And so when somebody's watching it vertically uh, on a story, they're missing the left edge and the right edge of the closed captioning anyway, yeah. which is something you went out of your way to bake in. And so it's just, again, like that's like somebody who's doing half of the right amount of thinking, but just needs that extra little bit of, of, of awareness and, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just something that I've seen recently. That yeah. It's kind of annoying. I think, um, I, I think, Another thing too that goes to content experience is making your content findable, right? So like, I think it was the video edit episode, our video audit episode, where we talked about, you know, optimizing your, your metadata, your mm -hmm. titles, your descriptions, your tags, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, make sure your titles are optimized. They're Relevance. using your keywords, they're relevant, they're easy to find because if, if this is something you're putting on YouTube, if it's a video you're embedding on your site and you wanna end up higher up in, in just the Google search results, if you're framing those things and using the right terminology and making them you know, questions or whatever all the examples are, then you're more likely for people to find it Con part of content experience is how easy it is to find information. Mm -hmm. So if you can make it easy for people to find your content, then it's just more likely that more people will find your content. And it's and they're happier, whether they're thinking about it or not, they're happier because they didn't have to watch six of the wrong videos mm -hmm. before they finally got to yours. And they were like, they finally, here's six of the wrong video. Exactly. I, I've noticed a trend lately with a lot of companies because we're in this era of content marketing, We've got all different types of content. Um, either on the way bottom of the page or up at the top, they've got a resources tab. And within resources, you can find blogs, podcasts, videos, whatever. Those video libraries are really awesome to dig into. And you like if they're well organized, it makes yeah. everything so much better as a user. Um, the same goes with YouTube. If you've got if there's a company you're looking into hiring for whatever, 
you want to like you want to be able to find the information you're looking for. So you've got to you've got to create that YouTube page or your channel um, so that people can find what they need. Yeah, organize into playlists. Yep. Put the right playlists on the home page of your channel. Yep. Organize them the way you want people to see it or how you know they're they're visiting that site. Again, which personas are showing up more often? And like our last episode about audits or whenever we talked about it, make sure that the video content that doesn't matter is gone. Is gone. Because that, that can totally mislead somebody. Mm-hmm. I, you know, on organization too, um, there's um, there's an old Wistia study that we'll link to in the show notes um, where they actually show some amazing analytics uh, on play rate based on where the video is embedded on the page. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, we'll link to it so you can go read the whole thing if you want. But they basically broke... Um, the average website into seven 250 pixel high zones. So okay. 250 pixels basically gets you like the menu bar at the top okay. and maybe your H1 header for that page, okay. right? So if it's a blog post, it's your menu bar at the top and the title of your blog post. And then zone two is the next 250, which is usually like part of your featured image or mm-hmm. whatever. And then zone three is the beginning of your text, you know, that kind of, if that's your layout. Sure. And so they, they, they took of the, well, I could literally click on it right now and tell you how many. They, they tested like 95,000 videos that were on their platform. Uh-huh. Um, and what they found was that videos that were embedded in zones one, two, or three had twice as many plays as the videos that were in zones four. Mm-hmm. Well, as that was in zone four. And then as you go down zone five, zone six, sure. and seven, as you go lower on the page, play rates just continue to drop off, but it's not a linear progression. If you can get it in that top three sections, those top 750 pixels, which I imagine is what most people's above the fold. screen is, that above the fold piece, you're looking at 56, 52, and 46% play rates. You drop to zone four and you're at 27%, 25%, 21%, 18% play rates. Wow. So talking about content experience, if it's a video you want someone to watch, which I imagine any video you're making, you want someone to watch, whether you're doing it in-house or paying a whole bunch of money for it. Mm -hmm. When you are embedding it on your sites, be cognizant of where you're doing that, right? Um, Put it at the top of the page, make it something that people can can access and can actually see, because people aren't going, aren't as likely, in fact, they're half as likely, to go through and actually scroll down and and see. My guess is that also tells us a lot about scrolling behavior Overall, right? Not just about video plays. If they People don't see don't something, scroll. if they don't see something they want to engage with, they may not scroll. It's like the second, second page of search results. Most people will just try a new search uh, yeah. term, then they will go to the second page. Yeah. So what can, what can people do to kind of audit their own, their own content experience as it pertains to video or, or otherwise? We're all, even those of us who are content creators, mm-hmm. spend more of our time consuming content than we do making content. Sure. Even, yeah. Right? Whether it's business related or personal, whether you're, whether you're looking for something on Amazon, looking for the best, you know, uh, silk shoes for, you know, A and D. Yeah. Um, you're going to, right, you're going to put that search in and then you're basically showing a ton of content. Mm-hmm. So why not spend that time and put a little bit of, of that personal time into thinking about what are the things that are easy to find for you? What are the things that are the most helpful? What are they doing right? Um, 
Uh, I'm in the middle of a YouTube certification course right now. And one of the things that they say when you're creating a channel is to look at the top producers in your category. Mm -hmm. How long are their videos? What's the quality of their videos? Um, what do their thumbnails yeah. look like? What are the titles of their episodes, right? Like it's not, it's not necessarily just to do what other people are doing, but you know, let that be an indicator of what viewers and consumers are actually looking for so that you can also be as successful as you can. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. It, it, even when you're not at work or when you're taking a break or whatever, and you're doing that Google search, think about how, what is what are you searching for? How are you framing those searches? What are the, you know, what's the wording of the results that you're getting that are most helpful? What's consistent? Is it, and you can do this with all your content. Is it blog post length? Is it, you know, that you're getting videos that are, you know, that have a certain type of thumbnail or, you know, whatever it may be. And you're just going to better understand mm -hmm. what those, and sure, look within your industry, right? Uh, maybe look at your competitors. Maybe look at industry specific terms if you want to keep it focused to work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are all those things just so you get better at spotting it so that you can get better at doing it? Yeah. Was that your question? Yeah, I think it's just understanding that you can be do your own you can do your own market research yeah. using you as your subject. Yeah. And start taking notes as to what you see that you really liked and what you didn't like and it's pretty easy. That intuition goes a long way in something like this. You yeah. can apply it to what you're doing. And it, and and the reason I lead with the like in your own personal life example is it's so easy to overthink when it's work related. Mm -hmm. Like if I tried to do it with something for us, I would open up, well first I would open up a new tab the Google search box would be there and then I'd get distracted and I'd wonder why I had an open tab. But that's just me. But once I got back to the, <laughs> once I remembered what I was trying to do, I would still like overthink the search term, right? I, I would, I would like, like we rank number one for video strategy, Raleigh, video strategy, Durham, video strategy, North Carolina, right? Whatever, which is fantastic. But what we now know is that nobody's searching for video strategy Raleigh yeah. or video strategy Durham or video strategy in North Carolina, right? It, it's important to us, but it's not important to right. our our prospects, right. right? And clients. And so we realized that we needed to make video production more of a search term that we rank better for. We can still own video strategy and that's yeah. great. Eventually, we know this, more people will start searching for video strategy and we'll have been number one longer and that'll be great. But right now, literally like zero to 10 people per month are searching those terms. And yeah. I'm guessing half of those are us mm -hmm. checking in an incognito where we're coming up to. So it's so easy to overthink it when it's a business thing that I think that's why you just use your personal searches. You know, like again, what's the best smoother than silk slipper yep. for A and D play, Yeah. right? That's what I would ask. And if I was in that industry, I might be like, I might put a competitor's work name in there or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Well, I felt like this one was a little less organized and a lot of rambling. <laughs> it did kind of, it was a little bit. I think we covered a lot of ground. A little bit about some of our peeves. Um, but it's so easy to see what you don't like out there and take note of that. And a lot harder to, to remember and recognize when things are going well. Right. Um, so to Ben's point, you know, go out there as a consumer, just be, be aware of what you, how you're engaging with content. And if it if you like it, see if you can replicate that. One of our favorite things is learning about aviation and how can aviation teach us something about video strategy. And there's the OODA loop. 
um, observe, orient, or it's a couple of the loop, <laughs> the loop, uh, OODA loop. Um, but you know, everybody take, knows taking those loop. models from from other industries and applying it to you is where innovation comes from and creativity comes from. And you know, that's that's a really cool thing to be able to bring to your company. Well, I think my 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 biggest takeaway too is, you know, be a consumer of your own content. Right. If you post something on Instagram and you realize that it's, you know, it's in a story and you're misframing someone, don't be afraid to delete that post. You know, or, or if your subtitles are, 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 are cutting off on the side, don't be afraid to delete that post, re-edit it so that your baked in subtitles are in the center third of the frame and re-upload it. Yep. Like, eh. Odds are. Otherwise, don't do it at all. Yeah. Uh, odds are nobody's paying enough attention that they're going to call you out on, oh, this is the second time you've uploaded this, and, and this one doesn't have the mistake that the first one does. I mean, Ben will. Yes, I will. And I'll make you feel bad for it. Um, but, you know, that's the thing, right? Learn from your mistakes. It's fine to make the mistakes, but just be aware of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so, and, and I think, I think the, the, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to call it rambling, but I think the, the number of instances that we've discussed in this episode show that there's so many things to take into consideration. Right. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. It it can seem overwhelming and there are already too many people who feel intimidated by video to really dive into it (laughs) anyway. So I don't want, you know, so if you're, if you're what, we're 56 minutes in at this point, if you're a listener who's thinking about getting into video, but you're scared and you're looking to us to like, you know, to convince you to just go for it, go for it, go for it. But you probably still aren't listening. You're going to make mistakes. You in this and we episode. make, we make mistakes all the time. Yeah. And, but we've just, we've made countless mistakes, which have, has gotten us to where we are now. Right. The first trade show videos we made had voiceover. Sure. And I believe we went to one of them and we're like, I can't hear what well, it's saying. <laughs> oh, wait, nobody can hear anything maybe all of our trade show videos shouldn't have audio anymore. Right. right? It, it wasn't like we just knew because we're brilliant that that was the way. We knew because we paid a voiceover actor and a copywriter and got all that work done, and when it was played in the booth, nobody could hear anything. Yeah. So great. We don't have to do that anymore. Right. Right? Let's make it more visually compelling. So, right, we've gotten here by making mistakes. You can get better by making mistakes, too, as long as you address them. I do have a loop. Okay. It's observe orient decide act and once you've acted you start over again right observe orient decide act it kind of resembles uh the seven phases uh video mm-hmm. you know you observe which is your strategy observe orient decide is all the strategy and right. then act is everything else yes but it comes back which is why we broke that down into two episodes the strategy episode and then the other six else. phases <laughs> episode yes yeah. because of our strict adherence to the OODA loop yes. theory yeah. of business. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good discussion. I think it's time we uh, thank our sponsor again. Definitely. Um, Prince of Persia, slick silk slippers, guaranteed to make your feet warm. And if they don't, you can use your own microwave to heat them up at no extra charge. Now they come in your favorite Alak Dolak team designs. Follow them on TikTok at Slicker Than Silk to learn more and to email them, or if you want to email them for any orders or, or questions, salam at hotmail.com. Hotmail is underrated. Yeah, it's coming back. Yeah. All right, well, thanks again to Prince of Persia. Um, 
that's our episode. We thank you for listening. Um, we've had Radar some people. Style, shares and friends. I was I was gonna try to be a little more organic with it this time. Okay. I was gonna say we've had some people rate our podcast, which is really exciting. Yeah, I think most of them are us. Our only written review on iTunes was actually written by David. So we'd love to hear what our listener outside of this office or listeners sort of actually think. Be, In fact, I've gotten texts and emails from a couple people, and they happen to be friends, um, who have given us feedback. I would love for the two of you to share that <laughs> feedback on iTunes um, just so, you know, as more people stumble across it, they can maybe think, oh, there's probably value in here. But such is the life of an early podcast producer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts. <laughs> I think you're like required by Apple's to put by Apple to put that at the end. They won't approve your episode until you say that. Um, all right, so we'll see you next time on episode whatever the next episode is of the Video Reformation. Uh, I'm not going to say this is us signing off because usually we just trail off into nonsensical uh, conversation at this point. Well, I've really got to go so okay. I may just hop out of here I, you, you can't because I'm about to ask about your fractured L5 vertebrae oh yeah I mean it, if, it, if I fractured it on Monday when I, when I hurt my back I'd probably be in a lot more pain right now mm-hmm. so I think it was a fracture from a long time ago because it was smoothed out so you've just been walking around all these years with a broken back playing college football, rugby uh, wrestling with my boys <laughs> two sons. <laughs> yes. That's yeah, good clarification. Uh, but yeah, back's feeling good. I know you had a back injury too. I'm sure a lot of listeners are concerned. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine now. Uh, mine was more based on the uh, improper sleep number on my sleep number bed. Have you ever so, hurt yourself from like sneezing? <laughs> um, probably. I think I've heard something that's messy. I would have terrible back spasms in high school. Like, we would just get to a certain point in the season where, like, we're doing strenuous work, but you're still not, like, in great shape. And I would remember just, like, walking from class to class just until, like, three.